Welcome to Axios Church Online. We're so excited you had joined us here on our online campus. We hope this message encouraged you and uplift you throughout your week. Enjoy this message. of having a staff that not only cares about you, but cares about me. <laughs> and um, I don't know about you, but um, sometimes it's good to take a little break, right? Take a little break. And we decide every summer we do, we do um, Summer with Friends, which is we get some guest speakers that are going to be um, speaking into our lives. These speakers aren't just somebody that we pick at a random. These are things, we, people we prayed for, um, prayed about. And we believe that we have a, a word for this house, for this place. Um, so um, as your pastor, um, I'm here to tell you that I need a break. <laughs> I need a break. And we take the, the July off. Uh, um, Jess and I, uh, we don't take it off. We're doing other stuff but from preaching. Because I believe that God has a fresh word for the fall for us. And it's okay to take a break. Let me tell you right now. It's okay to take a break sometimes. We believe in that. Jesus paused. Jesus rested, so uh, we don't need to kill ourselves to build the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen on that? But God has put people in this house that is not just my voice. If you come to this church for me, I will fail you. You come to this church for God. And God has also put different voices in this house that is going to bless us this month of July. And it starts today at the end of June because we're still in June. And um, Pastor Ryan and Pastor Hannah came to us about a year ago. And, um, and they have been a blessing not only to Jess and I, but have been a blessing to this house. Our church has expanded by years and years because of this couple. And um, today we honor his presence and he's going to be bringing the word for today. So why don't you give it up for Pastor Ryan as he comes and brings the word in this place. Good morning, good morning. Man, I'm, I'm, he's getting, there we go. But uh, somebody smile, somebody wave at me, go ahead, wave, it's okay. Oh, what's up, I got, I got you over there. But the stage looks a little different this morning. If this is your first time here, let me say welcome. Normally there is a, a big old projector, a white box that goes on the screen there. Uh, but we are in the transitioning season. So in about an hour, uh, the sanctuary will look like a construction site. Uh, we are expanding the vision. We are uh, increasing and enhancing our sanctuary so that we can uh, uplift and encourage God in a different light. Uh, we believe through our resources, through all of those things, we want to perform uh, an excellence for God. And so we're always dreaming. We're always casting vision. Pastor and myself, along with the staff here, uh, we're always throwing out different ideas. Some ideas stick. Uh, and go up on a wall, and others, well, we save them for a rainy day, right? But, but so, so uh, during a transition season, during a construction season, sometimes things are a little stressful. Can I get an amen? amen. Uh, change is sometimes stressful, but sometimes change is necessary. 
right? Has, has anybody ever been there to where you started thinking about some change that could happen and you instantly get anxiety? You instantly become stressful or, or get the cold sweats. You don't even know. Uh, Miss Iris is over there rubbing her belly because, listen, babies are change and everything else like that. But this morning, uh, I want to kind of talk about some of the things that we experience as individuals, and sometimes we feel alone. Sometimes we feel like we're on this island all by ourselves. We don't know if anybody else knows what we're talking about or how we're feeling or anything else like that. So this morning, I want to give you a couple ideas, some things, real-life situations that I've gone through, and I want to see if you can relate. So I remember when my wife and I got married. We're going on eight years in December I'm surprised she's kept up with me for that long. But we were going on eight years. And, and so when we first got married, we lived in Fort Lauderdale. Um, and, and, and we paid way too much money for a one-bedroom apartment. But here's my justification for it, okay? Uh, it was by the beach. And when I say by the beach, I'm talking like we had two stoplights and we were on the beach. You had to find parking. You could walk. I wasn't that athletic. I wasn't riding a bike. No, I was getting in a car. I was going two stoplights. We were at the beach. But we paid, uh, and this was some years ago, eight years ago, we paid almost $1,900 a month for a one-bedroom apartment that we were never at. But we wanted it, and so we did it. We had a little love seat. And that's all. We, we were newlyweds. We didn't need anything more than that. We didn't want family coming over, anything else like that. We had a mattress that sat on the floor. Can I get anybody ever been there? Listen, I didn't have no box spring. I didn't have no bed frame. It was just a mattress on the floor. Anybody ever been there? But we were living life. That was our moment. That was the thing that we created. And as the years have gone on, we've kind of adapted. My, my wife being the interior decorator, she had, let me talk to the fellas in the room for just a second. Uh, how many of us are okay with just a white wall, a TV, and a pull-up like little like lawn chair? That, that's me. I don't need anything crazy. At the time, I needed an Xbox, a TV, and a chair. Wherever she was sitting, she could figure that out. That was on her. But, but I've learned through the years, my wife has started to, to kind of mold me and change me into certain ways. Now I got a Pinterest board where I pick out how I want our living room to look and what rug would look good and all of these things. But it's taken some time. It's taken some progression for her to get me there. And has anybody else ever been there? Hopefully I'm not the only one. I, I got another one for you. How about this? About a month ago... Uh, yeah. We decided to take a road trip to Cincinnati. Pause. Let me give you a little bit of geography for a second. Cincinnati is about 1,000 miles away, 15 hours in a car. But we had a family graduation. We got to go. We got to be there. Flying's expensive nowadays. I got a four-year-old and an eight-month-old, okay? Like, you got to pack strollers and car seats. So I came up with a bright idea. We'll take a road trip. Piece of advice, don't do it, okay? Listen, I don't know if you've ever taken a road trip with a four-year-old and an eight-month-old, but just don't do it. The first three hours, amazing. We left at like 3 a.m. It was amazing. I got on the road. I started driving. Before, listen, I live on the north side here. 
uh, and I know we're like in the middle, but I'm a north side kind of guy. Uh, nothing against you south side people, but uh, I'm a north side kind of person. So before I literally got like maybe, I don't know, five stoplights, six stoplights, before I got to that area of the road where your service cuts out, you know where I'm talking about on 98 North, right? It don't matter what carrier you got, you just don't have service out there. Before we got there, everyone was asleep. It was glorious. It was just me driving. I had the radio on. I was listening, and you could hear them sleeping and everything else like that. Lasted about three hours, okay? Lasted three hours at most. And then the next 12 hours, I barely got out of the state of Florida, y'all, when I tell you this. Are we there yet? I'm hungry. I got to pee. What state are we in? Are we there yet? What time are we going to be? Listen, if my four-year-old, I didn't know my four-year-old knew this many words, okay? But, but he, he kept asking, and he kept asking, and he kept asking, has anyone ever been there before? If you've ever been in a car ride, you've definitely been there before. But this morning, I want to talk to you around the message, the title of been there. A lot of times we think that we're on this island all alone, that we have to do life alone, that we get to experience the highs and lows alone. If you're married, sometimes you feel alone even though you have a spouse. Even if you're dating, sometimes you uh, feel like you're alone. But let me tell you this, and I say this with all grace, and, and I say this as softly and reverently as possible, you are not the only one. You're not the first, you're not the last, and you are not the only. There has been and there always will be somebody that has gone through these things. Let me, let me take a second here because it just came into mind. This is the way my mind works. I get off on like little side trails, so just bear with me. Uh, first of all, pastor said I was going to get up here and sing Peaches, uh, and we might lose some people. Uh, listen, I don't know. I'm better singer than Fergie, okay? So uh, all the young people in the room are like, Fergie, what's that? I instantly just aged like 15 years. <laughs> they don't know who Fergie is, you know, maybe Taylor Swift or something like that, but but. But uh, yes, we will be doing that. So make sure you come out, uh, Kids Bash. Bring your kids out. It's just going to be a great time this morning. But let's go ahead and jump right into Scripture this morning. At heart, I'm going to do my best to keep it short uh, with, with middle schoolers, high schoolers. you got to be short, sweet, to the point, because if not, you'll lose their attention. As adults, you guys are just bigger teenagers, okay? So it's the same thing. So let's go ahead and open our Bibles. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse one, I say open up your Bibles. I'm not ignorant to the fact that we live in 2023. Power it on. Unlock your phone. I get it. It's all digital now. But Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. There's a couple, there's, there's really one word here that I want you to highlight or underline or circle, uh, but it is going to be the word tempted. The first point I want to make to you today is tempted. Has anyone in here, don't raise your hands, I don't want you to call yourself out. Has anyone in this room here today ever been tempted? I've got good news for you, you're not alone. Jesus himself was tempted. I just gave you the scripture for it. It says, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And again, I'm not here to downplay, dismiss, diminish 
any of the real world issues that we go through and that we face on a day-to-day basis. What I am here to do is to give you encouragement and let you know you are not alone. You are not the only one. So here in this passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 4, we see the son of God. We see Jesus uh, going into the wilderness and fasting for 40 days. And in that moment, I'm sure he's probably hungry. Let's be real for a second. I can't go like four hours without wanting to eat, okay? So so he's gone 40 days without uh, eating. And the devil comes to him and says, if you are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. That's what he said. He said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. If you are God, this, this is how my brain works, right? This is how it works. If you are God... Why are you hungry? That's that's literally what the enemy did. He goes up to God and he says, hey, listen, if you're God, if you're the son of God, why are you hungry? Use your power, use your divine power to turn these stones into bread to fulfill your desire. You see, the devil is attempting what he succeeded at with Eve in the garden. I don't know if you caught that. Let me say that again. The devil attempted what he succeeded at with Eve in the garden. What did he succeed at with Eve in the garden? It wasn't getting her to eat something or to trick her or anything else like that. What he succeeded at was getting Eve to distrust what God had commanded. So here, the enemy is saying, uh, uh, Jesus you know, you claim this, this God guy, that he's got you, that he's here for you, that he's going to protect you. He's always going to provide for you, but here you are hungry. If you really are who you say you are, turn these stones into bread. So this morning, church, let me tell you something. Let me give you a little bit of insight is that the enemy is, if, if the enemy is willing to tempt Jesus, I'm going to step on somebody's toes here for a second. What makes you think he won't do it to you? If the enemy is willing to tempt the Lord, he's going to tempt you. He will. He will. It's not an if. It's a when. I'll put it like this. I'm a. If the enemy isn't tempting you, you're probably closer to him than you are to God. I'm going to come back over here. Pastor ain't going to let me preach no more. I heard it like this from a pastor one time. He says that your devotion doesn't start off as devotion. Your devotion starts off as discipline. Let that sink in for a second. Your devotion, your commitment level doesn't start off as that. It starts off as discipline. If the enemy can throw you off your discipline, he'll throw you off your devotion. So here the enemy's tactic is to, to convince Jesus that he's not who God called him to be. So the enemy goes, if, hey Jesus, if you are the son of man, if, I, F, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. 
again, this is how my brain works, and I, maybe I relate it to the younger crowd in here. This is how my brain works. If I was Jesus in that moment, if the enemy would have said that to me, I would have been like, I'm him. I'm that guy. I'm built different. Like, that's me. Right. That, I, I just would have I would have bounced back at the at the, the devil like that. That's just that's just how I am. But Jesus doesn't Jesus doesn't act out of pocket, out of character. He doesn't rile up and, and get super aggressive or anything. But what does the Lord do? If you continue to read on in Matthew chapter four, verse four, it says it is written that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of of God. Read your Bible. That's what it says. I'm not making this up just to prove my point. So when you are being tempted, when you are being challenged, when the enemy is coming against you, church, let me tell you that how you respond matters. Number two, let me move on. I know you guys want to eat and you're hungry and the Golden Corral will be there when we're done. I know we were just at the joinery on Friday, but it'll still be there uh, when you get out of church today. But number two is that Jesus himself was accused. Let's go to Mark chapter 4, 37 and 38. It says, a furious squall came up. I didn't know what a squall was. Listen, I'm not the most like theological person or anything else like that. So I used my resources. I went to Google. I figured it out. I looked it up. What is a squall, right? So a squall is a sudden sharp increase in wind and a heavy downfall of rain. So a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Verse 38 reads that Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? The disciples who have been traveling with Jesus that knew his character should know by now that he cared. But instead, they didn't wake him up with petition, Lord. Listen, can you help us? I know you're getting your beauty rest, but, uh, you know, there's this thing going on outside. Can you help us? They didn't do that. They woke him up with accusation. They didn't say, Lord, could you help us in this moment? They said, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care? There's this crazy wind going on. There's this heavy downfall of rain. Don't you care? Listen, if you've been in church anything longer than five minutes, you've probably heard the Bible verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. He cares. He cares enough for you and the things you go through to save you, to send his son. But he doesn't just care about you. He cares about your cares. He cares about the things that keep you up at night, the things that you stress about, the things that you're excited about, the things that you get worked up, that you tell all of your friends about. All of those cares that you have, God cares as well. But the disciples who had just spent years with Jesus woke him up with accusation instead of petition. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us to cast all of our cares on him, all of our anxieties, all of our stresses, all of our worries on him because he cares 
for us. I began to to study and think about this and was praying on this message as God left it uh, and, and put it on my heart. And, and just I begin to think is that sometimes or oftentimes you will get accused of things that people don't fully understand. You will get accused of being that over religious nutcase when you go to your job because you pray for your food or because you're encouraging your coworkers. You'll get accused of some crazy things because you show grace and mercy and love and kindness and gentleness and self-control when the world isn't. You'll get accused of some crazy things when it becomes a he said, she said. But you'll get accused of accused of accused. In this moment, Jesus is getting accused of something that he knows isn't the truth. Of this thing that, how dare you? Again, this is me. This is the way my, my, my brain works, my imagination. First of all, if you don't read the Bible with a sense of imagination and creativity and putting yourself in that story, you're reading it wrong. You got to, you got to, this has got to be real life. This is, you got to be intentional with this. This wasn't just people 2,000 plus years ago. This is us today. And so for me in that moment, I think about it. If any of y'all woke me up in the middle of my sleep, we're fighting. I don't care. Ask my wife. She knows it. She has to get like a stick. I'll fall asleep on the couch sometimes. She has to get like a stick like Bang, bang. And it's, it's horrible because, listen, my wife loves me, and she's the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? But my wife is amazing. She'll wake me up, and I'll fall back asleep, and she'll still wake me up. Listen, my mom, if you're watching, mom, I love you. Uh, but my mom and dad, he falls asleep on the couch. That's where he's staying. I get to bed to myself tonight. That's what it is. But my wife's like, babe, babe, come on. Your neck's going to hurt. Nah. You wake me up aggressively. Hey, there's a storm going on. Don't you care? We're fighting. I don't care. We're fighting. I don't care how saved I am, how religious I am. I don't care if I'm in the presence of the Lord himself. If you wake me up in the middle of a sleep and there is something crazy, don't bring me into your craziness. Uh-uh. You guys deal with that squall by yourself. But the Lord, the Lord doesn't do that. He gets up and he says, he speaks to the instance. He gets, he speaks to the storm and tells it to be still. And then he addresses the accusation. And then he addresses it. So he handles business first and then he handles the accusation. Guys, listen, we've been hanging out for some years now. You don't, you don't, you don't trust me. You don't, oh, you have no faith. That's what it is. You've seen me perform miracle after miracle. You've seen me raise the dead. You've seen me cure blinded eyes. You've seen me watch a uh, sickness fall off. You've helped me help the walk again. And you've lost your faith. A storm. We're talking about some rain and some wind and you throw it all out the window. All of a sudden, I don't care about you. I've provided meals for you. I've provided houses for you to sleep in. Because listen, y'all, the disciples weren't getting that if Jesus wasn't in the equation. Yeah. 
So first, he handles business. Then he addresses the accusation. There's times in our life where you will be accused of some things, and the greatest response you can do is be quiet. You don't have to address every accusation that comes against you. How you operate in silence, how you move in silence, will answer them for you. Number three, let me hurry up. This one's going to be a little sensitive, and I apologize in advance, but this is a subject that we at Axios will not shy away from. Uh, We don't diminish, we don't downplay, um, or anything else like that. But number three, Jesus was abused. Isaiah 53, 7 through 9. says he was beaten and he was tortured, but he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to be slaughtered and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all and silence. Justice miscarried. He was let off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare, beaten and bloodied for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked. They threw him in the grave. And even though he had never heard a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Here in this passage of scripture, we see the physical and mental abuse that Jesus took on our behalf. Again, as a church, let me say this, is that physical, mental, financial, emotional abuse is never okay. If that is something that you struggle with or you are wrapped up in, we will be a church that will encourage, we will support, we will equip, we will resource, we will do whatever we have to do to help you in that situation. But here is a man that spent his entire life, his entire adult life, saving people. Miracle after miracle after miracle, and this is how we repay him. We abused him. We beat him. We stabbed him. But there's beauty in this whole message. And I want you guys to kind of go there with me for a second. Just let your imagination run wild. But there was a disciple that gets the bad rap, the bad name of Thomas because he was a little skeptical. He had a little bit of doubts. He had a little bit of questions. He just didn't take everything at face value. And so Jesus has gone through this process. He's been beaten. He's been abused. He's been accused. He's been tempted. All of these things have now happened. And the disciples bring back the report that he is the Savior. He's done everything that he said he would do. He's, he's risen. He's been resurrected. He is, and here's Thomas. He's like, mm, I want to believe it, but I got to see it to believe it. I need a little bit of proof. And if we're honest with ourselves, I think we're all like that. We don't ever want to admit it, but somebody will tell us something or sow a a blessing prayer in our life or encourage us or give us a word. And our first thought is, well, I got to see it to believe it. And so Thomas is like, hey, I got to see it to believe it. This is the amazing thing about God. Jesus appeases Thomas's thoughts. He shows up in the room where it could be Jesus and Thomas. He knew what Thomas needed in that moment. And so what does he do? He 
he shows up. Hey, listen, man, I know you've got your doubts. I know you've got your insecurities. I know you've got these questions that you have about me and everything else like that. And I want to answer those for you here and now in the flesh so you can believe it. So here's my hands. Here's my side. Go ahead. You know what? Take it a step further. Touch them. Feel them. Put yourself in my shoes is what the Lord says. And this is the part where God blew my mind when I'm thinking about this and preparing for today. Even after the resurrection, the scars remained. Your past, your trauma, tell a story. Those scars remain for a reason. It's not just something that you had to go through and that you experienced by yourself. Judex, if you'll come play, please. Make me sound super spiritual. But those scars that you carry, that life story that you've been through, those ups and those downs, those people walking out on you, that hurt that you've experienced, the accusations that have been thrown around, the times that you have been tempted, all remain for a reason. They all tell a bigger story. Think about it like this. Have you ever seen a cow drink its own milk? I haven't. I've never seen a cow be like, hey, yo, I'll take, I'll take 2%. Whole milk only, baby. Listen, whole milk all the way. I don't know what that was. It's okay. <laughs> Have you ever seen a chicken eat its own eggs? No, you don't. I'll take mine. So I love sunny side eggs, sunny side up eggs. A little, little bit of toast, avocado. Listen, I'm hungry. Y'all think I'm hurrying up for you. No, I'm hurrying up for me. I'm, I'm hungry. But you've never seen a cow drink its own milk. You've never seen a chicken eat its own uh, eggs because it wasn't created to produce for itself. It was created to produce for something else or someone else. We weren't created to produce for ourselves alone. We were created to produce for God. And sometimes along the way, God will use your journey. God will use your testimony for others. Bree's going to, I don't, I don't know where Bree is, but Bree's going to like this. Because if you were a, a singer, join the worship team. That's not because you want to hear your own voice lifted up. Listen, that's why I'm not on the worship team because, you know, like I said, I'm a mix of T-Swift and Fergie. I don't know. But if you are a singer, join the worship team. Because your voice, the carry and the tone that you have could be somebody else's path to salvation. If you're good with kids... If you love young people, if you have a heart for the next generation, get plugged in with Kids Church. Become a youth leader because your story could be a connection for them into faith forever. Because we were never created to do this alone. Adam needed Eve. There was multiple sets of animals on the ark. 
because we weren't supposed to do this alone. I began to just pray and seek God's face about this message, about the direction that he would want it to go and how he would want me to, to close this out. And God put Genesis chapter 22 in my heart. I said, God, what? I just went from New Testament to Old Testament. How does this make sense? But the Lord's crazy like that. He'll, he'll connect the dots for you if, if you're not paying attention on your own. In Genesis chapter 22, Isaac was the son of promise. And Ishmael, let's be honest, just wasn't. He wasn't the son of promise. And I just wonder if it would have been easier for Abraham to give up Ishmael. If it would have been easier for him to lay Ishmael on the altar rather than Isaac. But God doesn't come to Abraham and say, hey, I want Ishmael. He said, I want Isaac. I want what you value the most. And I think a lot of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we're willing to lay Ishmael down. We're willing to give up the things, you know, maybe that we don't value as much. But it's harder for us to give up Isaac. We say that, you know what, I'll show up for service, but I won't serve. I'll tip, but I won't tithe. And when we realize the heaviness of that, it wasn't even Isaac, really, that God wanted. It was the heart that God was after. It was the heart for being willing to surrender it all to surrender what we valued above all else. And this morning, church, I'm here to tell you is that above the accusations, above the temptations, above the abuse, God wants you. Your story is your story for a reason. Your testimony is your testimony for a reason. Be encouraged that you are not in this alone. The highs and lows of life that you experience, you're not in it by yourself. That we as a church, that's why we believe that community is who we are, is that we do life together. We are better together. So this morning, let me pray. With no one looking around, all eyes closed, all heads bowed. I don't want to call anyone out. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to make you stand up and say anything. If you're watching online, just be reverent, be real with yourself for just a second. If you can say that I've allowed temptation, I've allowed accusation, I've allowed abuse to keep me away from who God called me to be. I want you to know this morning you're not alone. Every single one of us in this room has experienced something like this. But on the
count of three, if that is you, I don't want you to think about it. I don't want you to hesitate. Wasn't that an amazing message? If you'd like to help partner with us to push this mission forward here in Lakeland, Florida, you can go to axioschurch.com, and in the giving tab, you can give a one-time donation or a reoccurring gift. We are so thankful for all of you that have decided to join us this morning and meet every Sunday, and we can't wait to see you next time. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, turn on your post notifications, make sure you're tuned in to everything that Axios Church has to offer.